the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging Word. I I think we have to be careful not to tell everybody else worship has to be done Western. Now, I'm going to be honest, I found, but if you just do a search, you're going to find the big churches in the big cities in various countries who look like us. That always bothers me when I travel. Somebody has told them for worship to be genuine, they have to have a worship band. That's what most of them look like, okay, in the normative side, we'll call it that. All right? Or I can get this Chinese for you in the official Chinese church, and they're singing hymns that are just beautiful. In the choir, it sounds just like ours here. Matter of fact, they sing part of it in English and part of it in their language. Why? Why do we go to other cultures and say, the instruments we use, you got to use? Or the instruments we don't use, you can't use? You see what I'm saying? That's one of my difficulties with the regulatory principle, the regulative principle. If, logical problems, if we're going to hold to it, you can't have any instruments at all. The New Testament doesn't mention them. I think there's other practices that our New Testament does mention more than once that perhaps some in this group don't do, like the laying on of hands, which is mentioned Jesus did, the apostles did, and in Hebrews chapter 6 says that's an elementary teaching is the laying on of hands. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find that in a good, solid Presbyterian church. And I love many Presbyterian pastors and churches, Okay. How about this one? This is in Scripture, and it says this. Paul says this. In the churches of God, we have no other custom but this one. Women with head coverings. There was a custom in worship in the New Testament. If I'm in the the regulative principle, ladies, put your hats on. How about this one? You ready? We know this. It says it both in Romans and Corinthians. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Boy, COVID would have a problem, wouldn't it? We don't do that, but that's in the New Testament more than once. So, so I find it a bit selective in that. And I, and I could think of a pastor right now who I admire lots and listen to his sermons and love his teaching, okay, who holds the regulative principle, but they have a whole orchestra. I'm confused, okay? Now let's talk about 
the normative principle. I know this isn't getting you all excited about something, or, but I, I think it's important for us to address. So the normative principle is basically this. If the New Testament in particular, or if the Bible doesn't forbid it, it's okay. Now, I don't buy that because the Bible doesn't forbid animal sounds, but you better not be doing that here. Do you see what I'm saying? So I have some problems here too, okay? And that would be a, a theological, biblical, hermeneutical problem I have for it. There's a lot of things in Scripture that's not forbidden. That I was not going to be in order in a worship service. But there are some strengths. It allows for that cultural context like we just heard. It allows for that. And it puts the focus on biblical principles Okay, And for me, and you guys have heard me do this before, as I've studied the Bible, I find certain elements of worship, uh, those ones are included, but in this sense that there's celebration, there's praise, there's worship, and there's consecration. The worship team has heard this many times. And so in this particular today, we're seeing that celebration side, some praise side, but you're not seeing the worship okay, or the consecration. That happened earlier in Nehemiah. Okay, I think those biblical principles I can find throughout the Bible. It also allows for a difference in taste. Just your, what style you like. All right? So some in the regulatory, regulative camp can't believe people have cowboy church. That's just a style. Can't you sing Amazing Grace with a twang in it? How great thou art with a, tw- with a banjo and a twang in it? Right? But it allows for the style differences as well. I think sometimes we can push that style to the realm where we look like, smell like, taste like, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I think we've got to be careful of that. Okay? And I think that's one of the weaknesses of the normative principle. It opens the doors to mixing biblical things with ungodly cultural things. We forget Human beings have a tendency towards sinfulness, in particular, idolatry. We love to make idols out of my style of music. So that's what God wants. And I just can't worship in one of those Presbyterian churches. Well, shame on you. You should be able to. I've been in all kinds of them. No, I'm talking. I'm not talking the LDS. That's something different. Okay? I'm not talking about any solid Christian church. It should, if it's a slow hymn, you should be able to worship God. Whether it's an organ, you should be able to worship God. Whether it's 37 violins, you should be able to worship God. Or when I've traveled, even if it's in a different language, off key, I don't care. I can worship God. But, but we have to be careful, recognize we do have a sinful nature. We tend to want to feed the flesh. All right. Contemporary forms of worship can easily turn into performance entertainment-based. Those time, it's boy, they're good, they're talented, and if they're not good and they're not talented, they're not professional, we ain't listening. It's, I see this in modern, I'll say, worship, whatever Christian music. You got to be pretty too. You could be handsome or pretty. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure. Please take this. Thing. Sandy Patty would be a top Christian artist today. But I think that professionalism 
entertainment then begins to be valued more than theological content. I'm more worried about how the song makes me feel than what it says and how well they play it. Do they got my favorite instrument in there? Do they have a good guitar solo, the drum guy going in there? Wait a minute, what's it say? I think that can happen in the more contemporary, which we would call us, all right? We can definitely fall into that kind of, can fall into the trap of popular opinion. Grabbing the hottest new thing out there, plugging it in and not taking the time to think about its theology. And like, just like the other view, it's the outward manifestation rather than spiritual growth where we measure spirituality. Well, you know, those people standing there like this, saying an amazing, they're not as spiritual because we've discovered the power of worship over here. See, both of them can lead to that arrogance. Let me give you some Bible. In particular, these are related to corporate worship. I did not write them. Don't send me an email. Psalms 30 and 1 through 11, or 11 through 12. Stop. You can't use that poetic stuff to teach from like Jesus quoted Psalms all over the place. The apostles quoted Psalms, so I guess you can't use that. You got to throw out Psalms 22 which is a prophetic poetry of Christ's own crucifixion, death, and suffering. Okay? Psalm 30, 1 through 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. Can we say that in church? You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that may my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Now, wait a minute, watch. If I've got to sing psalms right out of the Bible, I'm singing a psalm about dancing in church. Amen. Singers and dancers alike, all my springs are in you, Psalms 87 and 7. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name, there's that nasty word again, with dancing, making melody to him with the tambourine and the lyre, Psalm 149, 2 and 3. Praise him with the tr sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and a dance. Praise him with strings and with the pipe. Praise him with the sound of cymbals. Praise him with the sound of loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150, 3 and 6. I want you to get something, though. What if I sang those songs about dancing and instruments before the Lord, but we don't allow them? We got a problem. We'll sing it from Scripture. We just ain't going to do that. In Jeremiah's famous promise about the blessing to come, in Psalm 30, or Jeremiah 31, 13, Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. And I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. New Testament. Now, I'm going to ask you what it think this says. In Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, Be filled with the Spirit, address one another with psalms, 
hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. There's the big deal. Colossians 3 and 16. Colossians 3 and 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom. Now, how else else can we teach and admonish each other? Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. Those two things have in common is your heart. It's not measured by the outside. And it says sing psalms. That's these ones I just read to you. Okay? Now I'm going to tell you, worship matters. The way we worship matters. You find that out right in the beginning of the Bible. Cain and Abel. God sets the example by sacrificing an animal, shedding of blood to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness, sin. Cain goes, I don't like it that way because I'm a farmer. I have my personal preferences. It's easier for me to pick some fruit and some veggies and offer that. (coughs) And when he doesn't, and he's down in his spirit, heart, and attitude, God says, well, if you do not do well, will it not go well with you? If you just do it the way I told you, this would work out. But sin crouches at your door. Okay? So worship, how you worship does matter. Okay? But Cain's problem was a heart problem. This is why Jesus says, in spirit and in truth. This is how I know the unbeliever who's spiritually dead, can't worship. So you can't tell me you have a worship service that's seeker-friendly for the unsaved. First of all, no one seeks God. That's Scripture. God seeks and finds them. Remember the parable of the lost sheep? The sheep didn't go find the shepherd. The shepherd went and found the sheep. Okay? But, but the unbeliever can't worship. So why do I want to make worship fit them? They're spiritually dead. They cannot understand spiritual things. Their heart is deceitfully wicked above all. Oh, yeah, yeah. How we worship does matter, but it's got to come from here. How starts in here, not out here. True worship, true scriptural worship is not measured by outward standards. Both sides can fake it. Spiritual, true spiritual worship is not measured by how many tushies it gets in seats. How it fills the building. Uh, it's one of the biggest buildings on the planet. It's been filled by some of the most debaucherous and wicked. Likewise, true scriptural worship is not measured by ecclesiastical church tradition. When you start doing that, you start being Catholic. Yeah, I said, oh, I can't wait for those emails. That, that, that's one of the Catholic church actually says in their canon. One of the measurements of, of what's right, what's wrong, what's truth, what's not, is church tradition. Be careful. True scriptural worship is not measured by personal preference. What's enjoyable makes you comfortable. True scriptural worship is is God-centered, servant-heart-motivated, not me-focused. Why? I just didn't want to worship today. I wasn't feeling like it. Well, then you're messed up. Yes, worship invokes emotion. Emotion doesn't control worship. 
Okay? Your heart, the life, the Christ in you, the Spirit of God residing in you is crying out to worship. And when I come knowing that, and I know that I've come not to take in worship, by definition, that's not worship is. Worship is giving to the Lord. Likewise, when I worship, it gives to the person sitting next to me, unless you're too close to me. Okay. All right. But I may not feel like it today, but you know what? Edify someone next to you by lifting up the name of the Lord, exalting his name, speaking of his wonders. And right? Look at it as this you're ministering to the Lord and a person next to you and around you. It's one of the reasons I ask, you know, I want to worship, I want to be able to hear congregational singing. It ain't a performance. You know what I mean? I, I want to be able to hear you. And there are certain songs, particularly, we get into, How Great Is Our God, all right? It's not a hymn. Should we sing that? Anyway, um, but you see, we, we really get into that, and I love to hear that. Again, out of the theological workbook of the Old Testament, uh, various editors, page uh, 546, the important place offered music in worship of God shows that God responds favorably to man's communication with him in music. We, we tend to think of worship, we want God to talk to us. Anyway, communication with him, worship, and that God communicate to man, not only cognitively, but emotionally. On the practical side, no one with these. I want to talk a little bit about liberty of conscience, okay? To force people to worship in a way contrary to their conscience is sin. You can go to 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 13, okay? So to tell that person that is opposite of what you do, that this is how they do it, come into, that's sin, Okay, when you go against that conscience. So I'm not going to drag a dear Presbyterian brother into this. If he really holds to the regulatory, regulatory principle, I'm not going to do that. I'll say, I'll come to your place, and I'll worship with you over there. Because my heart's not about me, it's about him. It's about my brother or sister in the Lord. When it comes to worship, I ask you to ask just a few questions. I don't have a lot. Are you mimicking Worldly forms. Do I give an example there or not? I'm going to ask you a question. The first time there was smoke in a concert, where did the smoke come from? It got to the point where we mimic it now. We've got machines that will kick that out. It has nothing to do associated with godly worship at all. Why do we put it in? There are those who put it in worship services. Why do I want to look like a smoky bar? Or a concert where everybody's getting toasted because they're smoking. Okay, I'll leave it there. Are we making traditions authoritative? Now, you know, when, I, when we stand for the reading of God's words, every time I say to you, people listening here, people listening on the radio, it is our tradition to stand for the reading. I want to make sure they don't think that's a rule they have to live by. Okay. Does a particular form of music have the tendency to bring glory to God or the performer? Okay. Now, it does depend on the heart. 
Mike gets up here and he does, in the middle where he does a guitar solo. Now that could be Mike, just, he's just into worship, and he's doing it through a gift he has. But it, all can, can, it also can be, hey, look at me. What, are there forms of music that tend to focus you on the person? Or let me put ways music is done. And I think this one comes to your personal worship. Are you drawing attention to yourself or God? That's where I'm going to stand on the issue of, quote, dancing. If, you're a, if you want to bebop, whatever you want to call it, whatever you do in that music, and, okay, and you ask me if you can do it, I said, yeah, you can do it at the back. Why? Because if you won't do it back there because you don't get to do it up here, you got the wrong heart. The New Testament principles for worship are this out of 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Let all things be done for the building up or the edifying of one another. Verse 40 says that all things must be done decently and in order. Okay? If it looks like a mosh pit, it's not in order. Now, where does that gauge? Where, where does that? You know what? That's left up to the wisdom of the elders the spiritual leaders of this house, or your house, wherever it is that you worship. Where did that boundary come? Maybe your church feels like a drama or a video to make a point in a sermon. Well, you can't do that. Well, that's your guys. Go ahead. If in another place they use that, not the Batman movie. Please don't do that. Okay? I, I'm, that's just trying to bring the secular in. But if I, there are plenty of Christian groups and then that make a, Christian movies we've all seen. Use a por- portion of that Facing the Giants. You guys seen the movie? What, what if you use that in a sermon? Is that wrong? Well, that's going to be up to your elders in your church. But I know this. We need to feel free to express our praise to God in a way that's normal to us. Okay? Even fitting some of your culture, whether it's the little tambourine things or one of those irritating little type of guitars they play in other parts of the world. To us, that's irritating. Just make sure it builds up, it's under control, remains orderly, and God is the focus. That's what matters, not which direction you go on the wall. Whether Ezra's leading one pack or Nehemiah's behind the other one, you notice they didn't do them the same. In one case, Ezra leads, the leader leads. Other case, Nehemiah's at the back. One goes one way, one goes the other, and it describes the towers they visit and all that, not one of them the same. But they met in the house of the Lord. When we come together to worship, it is by definition to lift up the name of God, give honor to him, not please me. Amen. Okay? That's the point. You come to give honor to God. Be careful. Be careful. There was a guy in the Bible. No, I'm not, again, this is one incident, so it's not regulatory. It's not even a pattern. David's bringing the Ark of the Covenant, right? Into Jerusalem. He danced so hard, he danced his clothes off. His wife, Saul's daughter, criticizes him and God says you criticize his worship you're going to be barren now that I could probably get because that reflects something about God 
Now, it doesn't say I should dance in church until I'm naked. Please don't do that. It's a one-time event. Okay? But David was being true to his heart that God gave him. Okay? Don't judge other people's worship. Now, let's get real. When you start singing the wrong words, you misrepresent Christ in the world. You make it all about the attention up front. You, uh, I can't show you a picture. I'm like, which one of those is church and which one of those is a rock concert? You better be careful. But I can apply that to the way you dress as well. Or do you dress in a way to draw attention to yourself when you come to church? If I took a picture of you here and somebody at the club, could I tell the difference? Uh, that would also apply. Okay, so don't just take it <coughs> in the realm of worship. Worship is a privilege that God invites us into to worship Him, to give glory to Him, and ask how the kingdom works. When you give, what happens? He gives back, you receive. And we get to get to receive of His presence in a, in a manifest type of way when we come to go. Worship is an honor and a pleasure that God invites us into it. I ask you, next Sunday, prepare your heart before you get here. Just just try it. Your drive over, your coffee in the morning, open up Psalms and start reading. Get your heart ready. Then when you come in and somebody's sitting in your chair, you don't care. Because you didn't come to sit in that spot or that spot. You came to give glory to God. And you know what? If they're blessed by God because they're sitting there, oh, God, please bless them. Because it's not about me. It's about God. Let's stand. Father, I thank you for your word. In it we find life and truth. God, I thank you that you determined what culture I'm born in. You determined where I live. You even put within me certain preferences and desires. Now, I know those can be influenced, God. God, guard our hearts from being influenced by much by the flesh and the culture we're in. But God, help us to learn that worship is one of the greatest things we can do is worship you. God, I thank you that you bless us here with people that are gifted to lead us into that worship. God, never let us judge someone in orthodoxy, practices worship in a way we don't. Help us, O God, to worship in any environment, setting and culture we are in. God, because our desire and our purpose is to give you glory. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC, P.O. Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.